And so you guys, you are a gospel-centered organization, and so you do work with churches, faith-based organizations. And so how, uh, what does that, what does that look like? The reality is, is as believers, if we claim Christ, then there's different philanthropies of Christ, like showing love of Christ that we're supposed to be about in the world every day. So opening our home, visiting and remembering those in prison, sharing our bread, ransoming the captive. And so we have gotten to the place where we're kind of unashamed and just saying to churches, we are called to be a part of this. And whether you're supposed to be on staff and telling someone about the red flags like Kara mm -hmm. or whether you're someone who knows on Tuesdays you're you have availability and so you email Lonnie our volunteer coordinator and say I have availability on Tuesdays so whenever you need something just give me a call and that could be just showing up for one of our clients who has a court case and just being part of her cheering section, just continuing to show that the body of Christ shows up for those who are hurting. And so it could be just one day a week you say, I have availability, put me somewhere. It could be that um, you have a skill set of pottery or movement and dance or you like to bake and you want to come to the safe house twice a month and just bake with the ladies, teach them how to feel comfortable in a kitchen or how to be proud of their body. Because as, mm -hmm. as like the, the luncheon that we went to today, the reality is at some point, at some point along the way, our clients learned that their body was a commodity to be bought and sold for someone else's gratification. And then sadly, all too often, as we are, we've already mentioned in the churches, we've told females, it is your job to not, to not be victimized of that. But if you were wearing the right church sweater, the long enough dress, then mm -hmm. somebody wouldn't have done that to you. Um, and so then how do we actually take them into movement classes, ballet classes, dance classes, and say, your body is beautiful. It is made by God, and you are strong, and you are resilient, and it is okay for you to be strong and beautiful. Um, so it could be lots of different things. This coming Saturday, two Saturdays from now, we'll have two different churches that they both realized that they were doing serve days in the community just because the missions pastor of those two churches happened to be in a conversation, to which then they said, well, why don't we just do it together? And so they actually have volunteers from both of their churches making kind of combo teams and serving at different places around Memphis. And so there's going to be a combo team of just people that are out at our safe house. There's some door locks that aren't working, some shelves that we need in a closet, um, some gardens that we want to plant because it's called Blossom House. So it would be really rad if the mm -hmm. ladies come and there's blossoms at Blossom House. Um, and so they're going to do that. And so I think that the way that the church can be about it. And of course, of, of course there's giving, but even in the giving, really honing in on the idea that, again, as believers, we're supposed to be about the business of ransoming captives. And so how can we participate in the things of the Lord in our community, whether it's through our giving, whether it's through being a cheering section in a court case, whether it's digging a garden, how can I participate with the body of Christ and ransoming the captive in our community? So there just endless opportunities with spiritual and practical needs. You don't have to be, because I can see someone saying, I don't know, I don't even feel equipped to be able to help them, you know, 
work through the issues that they're sure. working through. So, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be doing that. No, not right. at all. Right. I mean, right now we, if all of your whole Sunday school wanted to say, I'd like to spend a day organizing your donation closet, we would say, what day do you have available? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like someone who it is just mm-hmm. their thing that they get super thrilled to put together Ikea furniture, mm-hmm. put together some pieces of like, Organize organizational structures in our donation closet and make it make sense because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because the days that what is it that people say about once you have kiddos that the hours are long but the years are short and that is absolutely how I feel about running an organization mm-hmm. <laughs> that there's some hours mm-hmm. that um, it just seems uh, never ending and yet all of a sudden a whole month has gone by and mm-hmm. there's just tasks to be done mm-hmm. I mean even just addressing envelopes when we're sending out thank yous. I mean, it could be, what is your skill set? Are you administrative? Are you are you a prayer warrior? I mean, if more people, um, one of our key volunteers, she just started by meeting with me on Wednesdays and just praying with me for an hour to break mm-hmm. the strongholds of uh, the commercial sex industry in our community. We mm-hmm. would just drive around to strip joints or and sit in the parking lots and pray, or we would drive to parks, that they would be truly places of um, community and empowerment. Um, and now she, through prayer, the Lord just grabbed her heart, and I think she's been with one of our clients almost every day this week for at least a smidgen of time, and mm-hmm. at least two, twice of those times were at court mm-hmm. um, just, to, just showing up because okay. she just wants to make sure that I mean, the biggest lie that a that a trafficker tells his the people he controls is nobody cares, and because so many of them had abuse start at the hands of their parents or people in their families, um, their history agrees with what the pimp is saying. Nobody cares, and so if as a community via volunteering with Restore Corps, we can ba- basically just be a loud clanging symbol of love saying, we care, we care, we care, we care. We do believe you. Um, we love you. You were made in the image of God. You were bought with a price. You are the daughter of the king. Um, all of these messages that I don't think that they've heard. And mm-hmm. so even if it's just doing that, I think that that's, that's what we need. Okay, so I really want to know how you guys became involved in this work. And I'm sorry, Kara, I did not introduce you. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Maybe we should do that at the beginning, but yeah, definitely. I'm really interested to know how you got involved. Yeah, so individually or Restore Corps as a, as a whole? All of it. All of it? Okay. Yeah, what brought you to Memphis um, and how did you just get started in general? Um, I guess for, uh, for myself personally, um, I, uh, I think, I guess Rachel and I both had a similar, um, experience in some ways of that, um, we saw a little bit of injustice in just our, our childhoods and growing up and seeing some of the ways that, uh, people fell short standing in the gap for the vulnerable. And then, uh, we, the Lord really kind of shocked us a little bit. I just uh, spent a summer interning with an NGO in Peru, working with girls who are victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. And there were a couple trafficking victims as well that we worked with there. But I I knew enough to know that it did happen, um, that it did happen in the States. And so 
when I came back, I got connected to a safe house, and uh, thankfully they were in a, a phase of time that they uh, had underestimated the number of staff they needed for a 27, 24-7 safe house, and so they uh, hired a 21-year-old, <laughs> <laughs> which I was very grateful for, um, mm -hmm. but, and just learned, learned through there what trauma-informed strength-based care looked like and what showing up and uh, maybe being cussed out one day and uh, maybe being hugged and, you know, celebrating, uh, you know, the first the first birthday sober or just the first birthday that they'd ever had celebrated. So I got to do that for a couple of years before coming down to Memphis and um, really, really wanted that to be my full-time, my full-time gig, not just my 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I've found found restore core as I was searching and uh, it was an unfolding journey that only the Lord could orchestrate uh, in his timing but um, so I joined I joined in July and I am now in our community engagement is uh, the title of the week I think <laughs> yeah okay okay many hats. Many hats. <laughs> uh, that's just how nonprofit I feel like rolls. Many, many hats. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I'm originally from Memphis. I grew up, um, I went to White Station and University of Memphis. And then following University of Memphis, I ended up with an international nonprofit um, interdenominational missions organization called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And mm -hmm. so that missions organization I eventually was serving with them in Cambodia and Southeast Asia and so when I was there I our team was approached by another organization that wanted to offer athletics like sports and leadership training to a rescue home but the director of the rescue home required a female coach um a good time to say I'm, they wanted to offer soccer, and I'm not a soccer player. I'm a softball player, mm -hmm. but I had availability. So I was there, and I was my goal while I was there was to team up with some other folks to plant an international, like, enter a bilingual inductive Bible study school. So it was going to be a nine-month bilingual inductive Bible study school that we were going to start the following year. So that particular year, I was mostly just doing kind of cultural understanding, language learning, so I had a lot more time um, than the other people who were already aggressively about their business and their ministries. So I went to the other girls on our staff that had all played soccer, and all of them felt that the, they didn't feel like the Lord was pressing them to do it. So I went to that sports and leadership training director and said, I have time, but I don't, I, I don't play soccer. So if we have ideas on how I could coach soccer but actually not know soccer, then I'm your gal. <laughs> so, um, so I eventually ended up finding one of the staff um, on our team who she had played competitive soccer, I think even through college, her whole life. And so she coached me in the morning, and I would have the language teacher, my language teacher, teach me how to communicate soccer in Kamai, and then I would go and coach the girls. And so wow. um, honestly, I just – by the Lord's abundance of grace, we, through that team, raised up the first wave of FIFA-certified female coaches in the, in the country of Cambodia, the first ever uh, FIFA, like, women's national team for the country of Cambodia, where some of the girls that I got to introduce soccer to, they have been to the Olympics in Brazil, and they have been to the World Cup in Switzerland, and 
um, just, they're amazing. They mm-hmm. were, I mean, they're, so the Lord just was gracious to say, to just utilize the willingness to show up, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I returned to the States, I was not only aware of human trafficking, but I was also fully aware that the Lord multiplies just our our willingness to say yes and to enter into the things that he wants to do in people's lives. And so I just started asking around, what does human trafficking look like in Memphis? And was quickly, again, by God's grace, welcomed on to a working group at the time that with the FBI and Mid-South Sexual Assault Resource Center and University of Memphis Social Work Department and a number of other agencies trying to figure out what does human trafficking look like here. And then from that, I was offered a job at MSARC, uh, now Shelby County Rape Crisis. And then it just continued to spiral of still being able to enter enter in. Um, Law enforcement began to call us and just asking myself and the team that we kind of band of of people who were Mm -hmm. just willing to show up, who we called ourselves like the anti-trafficking team of the organization at the time. Um, None of us were, we were all volunteers. We were just, again, just a band of folks that... um, there's a quote from a YWAM teacher that I always say that it's revelation requires response. And so the other two key people at the very, very beginning, one of them had witnessed human trafficking in Nepal and one of them had seen it in the Eastern Bloc of um, Eastern European Bloc and in Russia. And so all of us had seen it in different places in the world and just wanted to figure out like revelation requires response what does it look like in Memphis and so eventually we just gained favor with law enforcement and they would call and say we're going to do an operation can you get a hospitality some hospitality bags together for us or can you get some bathrobes or can you get some flip-flops because the girls are always cold after Mm -hmm. um, when they get recovered from an operation or they don't have toothbrushes when they get recovered from an operation and so um, we just continued to field those phone calls and figure it out and um, literally a willingness to just be someone that law enforcement could call when they needed someone to show up for these girls and so phone call after phone call of hey Rachel we got a girl last night she's sleeping slumped over on my desk she hasn't eaten since sometime yesterday Um, she's from she hasn't slept in a bed since two days ago can you guys come get her and so you just um God just gave us an abundance of favor with people, with the law enforcement in our city that were actively trying to break in the darkness for the, for these victims and these survivors and inviting us to be alongside them in it. And so eventually that we also started working on legislation. That team started working on legislation to where Tennessee is now number one for the second year in a row for our counter-trafficking legislation. Um, we have continued to gain favor, now named as that single point of contact, but I think that it really the way we ended up here, um, we technically founded Restore Corps in 2013, even okay. though I moved back to the States in 20, 2010, but we ended up here just for a willingness to say, okay, well, mm-hmm. like the Lord tells us to speak up for the vulnerable, and the Lord tells us to enter into the, to the lives of those who are hurting. Um, and we we had seen it. As I said, revelation requires response. And so each of us had had our own individual times of seeing it and kind of we just refused 
refused to turn away. So tell me as far as the spiritual component goes when you're working with victims and survivors, I would imagine there would be a lot of questions like, where was God when this was happening to me? Why was I in it so long? You know, just all the, the different questions that can come up with okay. something that's so traumatic. And so what, is that, what does that look like? Sure. So I think you're exactly right. That question can come up. Um, we, I think really the, the response can vary from client to client. Um, one of our clients even today was telling one of our staff, y'all should require church. You should do it. You All, all of us need to go. Um, because she has come to the saving faith of knowing like the Lord is good. People are bad sometimes or, or the actions of people are bad, but the God, God can redeem all for good. We, we stay as far as humanly possible away from the, the improper teaching that sadly has come out of like church circles of like everything happens for a reason. I don't that's, that's not scriptural. Um, but what is scriptural is like he can redeem all things for good for those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purposes. And mm-hmm. so when we, if we enter into that, helping them know, man, the Lord hears the cries of the brokenhearted. He was there in your distress. People are people and people hurt other people, but he can redeem all things together for good. And so... We just really give as much space as possible for them to be super angry at the Lord when they need to be angry, super angry at the church when they need to be angry at the church, um, and then also just a consistent calming, welcoming into the things of the Lord where we can find find those places. And you said that it's not mandatory. The reality of a trafficker is all too often he has been providing food, clothing, housing, but requiring different different actions and so um, we we try to stay away from that as much as we have to require different behaviors for the safe for the home to be a safe house or the home to work well for community living but when it comes to faith we mean faith is an individual thing that the Lord lifts the veil of each of our eyes and our hearts and welcomes us into relationship with him Um, and even in Philippians it says that uh, he enables us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so he gives us, like, as even any of us that are pursuing Christ, like he is the one who is enabling us to want to go, to want him and also to actually do the work to get him. Um, and, but still today I get to choose whether I spend time with him today. I get to choose whether I go to church on Sunday. And so just because we are providing housing um, and our services, we want them to know that it, especially with this population, when the the agency of choice has been removed from so many aspects of their life, we absolutely want them to be able to choose Christ and know that they were empowered to make that on their own. Well, um, I thank you guys. Is there anything else that you guys want to mention? Oh, if people want information about you, where do they need to go? Yeah, so our website is restorecore.org, and um, if anybody has direct questions, you can just email info at restorecore.org. I think one thing that I uh, I just realized just now at the end of this podcast that <laughs> um, we've had a couple of times of laughter, and um, 
I definitely mentioned that today was encouraging, but I think one of the quotes that I think about a lot of times from Gary Haugen, from he's uh, the, or- the original founder of International Justice Mission, and he was here speaking at Barnhart um, a couple, I mean, years ago at this point. But he said, if I go into a place and I expand their knowledge, so if I, if someone who did not know about human trafficking now learns about human trafficking because I've been there, but I, I move them from ignorance, like they didn't know, to now they are immobilized because they feel like it's too daunting and they don't know how to enter in, then he has not done his job. Um, so one thing I want to say is absolutely everyone has something that they can do. So please don't feel immobilized. <laughs>